Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, leading experts Murnel Patnaik, Zoe Ji, and Eric Padron share some insights into clonal hematopoiesis and the impact of mutations in myelodysplastic syndromes, as well as the importance of better understanding pre-MDS states. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm really privileged today. Uh, we're at the IWMDS meeting, and we've had a great session on clonal hematopoiesis and clonal cytopenias. And I'm joined today by my panel. Uh, we have Dr. Zoe Shi, who is going to be a new faculty member at the Moffitt Cancer Center, and then uh, Dr. Eric Padron, a very established investigator in this field. So thank you both for joining me, and a great session. Thank you so much, Thank Dr. Panic. So let me just start off, you know, by asking Dr. Shi. I'll ask you a question. You know, you you very elaborately uh, brought out the need for intervention in certain uh, high-risk patients with CHCCAS, and then you beautifully showed where the field is currently and how we don't have response criteria to adjudicate. So we're a little bit ahead of ourselves. We have a trial, but we don't have response criteria. So could you comment a little bit on that? Yeah, so for currently, we, we are running a high dose of, uh, using high dose of ascorbic acid in patients with the type 2 mutated CCAS. Well, we, we are running the clinical trials, so we have gained the knowledge and experience, but we also identified a significant knowledge gap there where we, are, we don't have any response criteria to evaluate this patient, whether they respond to the treatment or not. Currently, we adopted the um, IWG-MDS response criteria the hematologic improvement uh, response criteria to our patients with CCAS, but whether this is a correct uh, response criteria to use or not is still a, a question. And how do we res uh, evaluate the response rate, and how when should we uh, evaluate the response rate, and what are the appropriate endpoints? It is still something that we need to discuss, and I think we should all get together and to discuss the response criteria as more of the uh, proposing uh, clinical trials for CCAS is coming, and we should set up the uh, response criteria upfront. Thank you, Dr. Shi. Dr. Padron, again, great talk. And you know, just one question that comes up all the time for us is, you know, when we detect somatic mutations with variant allele fractions, uh, so much depends upon the method of sequencing, how deep you go, the panel depth, you know, the coverage, et cetera. So, and then the second question is, you know, how do you understand whether a change in a variant allele fraction is inherent variability of the assay, sampling, or a true clonal progression. Uh, and I thought you brought up very nicely in the case that you presented, so any comments on this? Sure, I think intuitively as clinicians, we know that trends are more important than single numbers. We know that as hematologists, when we look at hemoglobin platelets, it's not really a single number that drives decisions. Obviously, those are more standardized and you know less expensive assays to do, so we can get them at many time points. But I, you know, and the same thing then is true with you know uh, next generation sequencing. Um, and the way I would um, categorize um, this sort of VAF issue is. Um, technical VAF issues versus biologically driven VAF issues that may or may not be clinically significant. Um, and so the technical issues are those that you that you outlined, you know, um, uh, uh, assay issues, uh, coverage issues. You're, there's some genes, for example, like CEBP-alpha that's highly 
GC rich and um, oftentimes when the probes get old or when um, uh, other technical issues occur, their coverage is lower and so there's a lot of variation there. Um, there's variation in blood counts. Of course, these mutations are harbored in the myeloid cells and if there's any cytopenias that could influence the VAF. So those are some technical issues, but I also think that there's biologic variation um, that's present and it's real, but we are not at the stage yet in which we know what the clinical significance is. So in the case I presented, the variant allele frequency went from 17 to 24%. Intuitively, that means something to me, but does it really mean that this is gonna turn into a therapy-related leukemia? You know, is to be, de to be determined. Oh, thank you, that, that, those are great comments. And, and I guess a general question for, for the both of you, you know, the, um, I think the community, and it's, it's very natural, uh, we consider CHIP as a binary variable. So if you look at all the data points, it's bad if you have CHIP. CHIP is associated with cardiovascular disease, therapy-related, and now when people are splitting hairs, you're seeing a differential effect. Not all mutations are the same, not all VAFs, and you know what we really have to take into account is the clonal selection pressures. Uh, so I just, if both of you could briefly comment a little bit on how as a community you know, do we need to start integrating this, especially when we counsel patients? Yeah, first of all, you know, as we discussed during the meeting, um, you know, the clone is definitely is not a binary, and we should definitely look at the trend and how the clone, you know, evoluted over time. And keep in mind, if patients only have a chip mutation, and most of 90, more than 90% of the clone actually they grow pretty slowly, except at the splicing factors. But under the clone uh, selection, definitely there are more uh, clone evolution, particularly under the uh, autologous stem cell transplant, and especially the DTA mutations, not really necessary about the DDR mutations. So I think, you know, it is really context dependent. Yeah, I agree. Um, the way that I view um, clonal hematopoiesis mutations is really as a, uh, a, a dance, if you will, between the the somatic mutation and its environmental stress. And so I think what really will move the field further is a, a deep understanding I think we have that for P53, right? Platinum therapy radiation, um, but a deep understanding as to what are the selection, the unique selection pressures. Hopefully, some of them can be mitigated. Hopefully, some of them are modifiable. Mm -hmm. That then lead to expansion of pre-existing tonal hematopoiesis. So you can envision, you know, a clinic discussion in which someone has a DNMT3A mutation, and you recognize that these chronic inflammatory stimuli are associated with its expansion, and you can potentially intervene and mitigate those if present. So I think to me that's um, a useful way, a clinically useful way to view um, the clonal hematopoiesis ecosystem. Excellent. And I'll just make one last uh, comment before we end. Um, you know, the data that I presented, um, you know, from the UK group in Cambridge and Oxford, where they were able to sequence progenitor colony assays with whole genome sequencing, there are three take-home points that I think will drive the field forward. The first point is that a lot of these somatic mutations that we think are of the elderly actually occur extremely early in life. And especially with JAK2 and malaproliferative neoplasms, you know, the discovery that these could be embryonic in origin, preconception, and then have a very long latency, you know, has really shed light on the field. The second point is, you know, when you look at hematopoiesis, you know, which is inherently polyclonal, you know, as you age, somewhere along that 70-year mark, you know, this hematopoiesis becomes oligoclonal. 
And that is very, very sharp and very, very reckoning for us. Suddenly you go from multiple clouds you know, to 10 or 12 clouds which have driver mutations, but in 50% uh, couldn't identify driver mutations. So our obsession, the final point is, you know, with protein coding genes, you know, now needs to extend. Are there other mechanisms, you know, other genes that we consider passengers, epigenetic mechanisms, and then most importantly, somatic copy number alterations. They all have to be included if we basically understand this, and this will not only shed light on CHIP and CCAS, but clonal progression and oncogenesis in general. Absolutely. So thank you for joining me. Great session and really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk and subscribe to VJHemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.